we've been talking these last few weeks about diligence. And uh, we see a board up here. I don't know if some of you can see the board, but diligence, and we Webster defines it, is an earnestness in accomplishing or promoting or striving after anything. You know, uh, the effort you put into it. I like the other one. I like if you care for something or if you love something, you would give yourself all to it. That's the diligence that we think about in the spirit, the diligence we think about when we talk about the Lord. If you love and care, you will give everything, you know, uh, to the Lord. Uh, he said, offer your body as a what? Think he means just fleshly body? Or what body do you think he means? Your spirit man, you, the inner man, give it all to him. Don't leave anything back. The only way we would leave it back is if we got thoughts or spirits we start to follow that oppose God. Then we're not giving everything to him. We're not sacrificing everything. Can you sacrifice to God your thoughts, your very thoughts? Can you actually give them up to him? Um, we say, well, I think some pretty awful stuff. I, I think some pretty bad stuff or whatever. But what if I told you you can give that up to God? Just be honest with him. and He knows it already. It's a matter of you yielding yourself to giving that to God, being honest with God, speaking the truth. Scripture says it this way, speaking the truth in love. That's something that's very important. Um, there was something that uh, my son Jared told one of his friends. He's, you know, he's a cop, and he, and he says, well, I tell my mom and dad just about everything I do. And they say, oh, you don't tell them everything that you do from you know, what, if you mess up or if you go out, you know, what you're doing with girls or what you're doing with this. He said, sorry to tell you guys, but I do. He'll, he'll tell us about his situations and what he did and whatever. And then it, it's come to the point, he's not the only one, but we just, you, you got to be honest about, well, what did you do? Well, I did this, this, and this. I said, oh, well, that wasn't pretty too cool, you know. This is what got you in trouble here, 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 and here, you know. He said, yeah, Dad. He said, you know, or mom or whatever. This I, I got to get a handle on this, huh? So the last thing he talked to us about just a few days ago, he called up and, man, was it a door that was open. He said, Dad. I said, what? He said, I'm tired of fear. I'm tired of What a door opening. <laughs> I'm tired of it. I'm tired of having fear about this. Now, he's going for another higher job, but... He said that the things that were happening to him, he knew it was fear that was promoting it. How many of us every day live with some type of fear? Think about it, guys. What, what do you fear? You see how this works? It's, it happens in all of us. I gave him that scripture. I think it's uh, Hebrews 2.14 where it says, and I'm paraphrasing, but the adversary used the fear of death to keep us in bondage all our life. Well, where did you think that started? Did it come when you came out the womb? Sure did. When you were little, didn't you dream about monsters chasing you and, and falling off of cliffs and, you know, you're trying to get away from something in your dream. You're afraid of what's in the closet because your room is dark or something's under the bed. Where did all those fears come from? That, that man of sin loves to do that to you from the time you're born, from the time that you can register thought. He's trying to work on you. Think about that. And so all our life, we've been built up in a fear and a bondage, even of death, right? Not even understanding what true death is all about. But we, what we feared, we didn't even know what we feared. 
You know, it, it was a horrible thing. And as we got older, then certain things became even worse, huh? How many of you ever did the things that woulda, shoulda, couldas? So something's going to happen. It might happen over here that maybe we should have done this or maybe we could do this and whatever. And you're trying to put something in the place to keep the fear from coming on you. If I had done this or if we could have done that, if we had planned this way, if we've done that. Hey, let me tell you something. No matter what you do, fear is going to come. Now, God also tells us what? He said he's not the one that gave us the fear. He's not the one that did it. He said that in 2 Timothy 1.7, isn't it? He said, that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of what? Love, power, and of a sound mind. So God wants our mind to be sound. He wants us to love, doesn't he? He wants us to have the power to overcome these things that come against us. Now, I keep telling people all the time, what we're dealing with are spirits. That's why I started thinking about this diligence, the diligence in the spirit of God. You do what God tells you to do and you work on that diligently by the spirit. God will bring you the strength you need at the very time that you need it. And that means overcoming fear too. You know, turning and facing it. Not running from it. Not just accepting it, but actually facing it. There's a big difference. So, um, we've talked about diligence. Last week we talked about have you submitted to the love of God? Because the first thing under diligence was submission. And then you're going to have, after submission, you're going to have some type of commitment to God, right? And then after the commitment, what are you going to do? You're going to what? Yeah. You, you're going to have the discipline to start following those things. You know, you'll learn things. Well, where do you learn them at? You learn them from the preached word of God. You learn them from the word of God that goes forth. You learn these things. And then you can, didn't his disciples learn from him speaking to them and following him? And then they saw the things and experienced the things that they did with him. That's exactly the same thing with us. You don't think we're going to experience walking with Jesus? We will experience those things in our world. Those things are going to happen. As you overcome things, you will find out, say, oh my God, now I'm getting a greater zeal, which is my last thing here. I'm getting a greater hunger because now I know God answers prayer. I know God will keep us. I know God is the power that we need to make it, right? And then your zeal is going to be like Jesus' zeal. What did he do when he went to the house of God and saw the money changers there? <laughs> he made himself a little thing there, a little whip, and beat them out of there and to overturn tables and everything. He said, wait, wait, wait. My father's house is supposed to be a house of prayer, but you've made it what? A den of thieves. There was iniquity and merchandising going on there in the house of God. He said, no, it won't be. Well, do you think he does the same thing in us? Who is the house of God? You think he's going to beat those money changers out, those traffickers, those merchandisers? As we learn more about God, we will overcome those things, those spirits that oppose us and come against us. And those things will be beaten out of this temple. And you will sit on the throne in your temple. It's as simple as that. God's going to help you to get there. That's what he's going to do. So sometimes we say things like this. and People say, well, what's he talking about? What's he talking about? We're talking about God being close to you. We're talking about you loving God and God loving you. That's what we're talking about. And if you love something, you will believe it. If you uh, put your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength into it, 
you'll believe it. And then what happens is when we do it the other way out of our own knowledge or following a, a pattern or a tradition or something like that, you're not going to get fruit out of it. You'll never see changes. You'll never be strengthened. You'll always be weak, you know, whatever, because you're, you're following the wrong thing. I'm going to talk a little bit about that today. You follow the wrong thing. So we don't want to follow the wrong thing. We want to submit. So we talked about submitting to the love of God. Now we're going to talk to you today about when you don't submit to righteousness, what sort of things start happening when you don't submit to righteousness. That's something we need to know. If we know what the love will help us to enter into it, what sort of things can keep us away from it? Does that make sense? So what could keep you away from the submission you need to do? Pastor Gary always says this, hey, submit to the anointing, and I will give you the spirit without reservation. He said that's what God told him. Now, stop for a second. If he shared that with us, is it to you too? It's to you. Submit to God. Submit to him. And he'll do what? He'll give you the spirit without reservation. Submit to the anointing. And God has brought an anointing among us. He, we have elders. We have people that are here that are able to give the answers. We have the spirit of God moving. This is the year of the spirit. Jesus is uh, among us. We've joined ourselves to Jesus. We've been joining ourselves to a lot of other things. We've joined ourselves to pride and fear and, and blasphemy and all kinds of other stuff. Now it's time to turn all that. Let's join ourselves to God. That's the thing he wants to do. Make a decision to join everything that you think to God and not to something else. Okay? And you say, well, what does that mean? Even the evil? Yeah, the evil. Let God show you where it came from, the origin of it, and how to overcome it. Submit everything to God. Everything. Because he loves you. So submit everything. And you will learn that you will love him greater and greater as you submit all of these things to God. Let's go to Romans chapter 10. Starting at the very first verse. So um, the thing that's important is that uh, we're going to start at this Romans 10. Very familiar scripture. And I, you think this is not talking to you, but I, I'm going to show you it is. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God is, uh, for Israel is that they might be saved. So this is Paul speaking about, he, these are his brethren. Isn't he from the tribe of Benjamin? He, he wants his brethren to be saved, right? Okay. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God. They have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness... Wait, wait, wait. These are God's people. Israel's God's people. How could they be ignorant of God's righteousness? Through unbelief, huh? Ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. There's that word again, isn't it? Have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. So when Jesus came on the scene, he ran into some people called Pharisees, right? And, and what did they do? Did they create their own form of righteousness? You, you follow the law according to what we say, okay? And if you do that, then we can help you in this salvation in your relationship with God. But when Jesus came on the scene, they did the opposite, didn't they? If anybody should have known who Jesus was, the Pharisees should have known. 
because they studied the prophets and the Old Testament works and the law. And all these things spoke about a Jesus, a Messiah coming. If anybody should have recognized him, it should have been them. But they came against him. They opposed him. Always tried to trip him up and do all kinds of things. And, and he's coming to them. Remember, Jesus said, I'm going to come to Israel first, right? It, it, it's to come to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. But he came to the Jew first. He came to his own, his own what? Received him not. Wow. So they established their own righteousness. Pharisee could always point out what he was doing that was so righteous. And he did it from the flesh, you know? You remember the story about them going into the temple to pray and the, the Pharisees up there, he's telling me, he said, well, I fast, you know, and I tithe and I fast twice a week and I do all these things. He said, I'm not like this publican over here comparing himself to the other man praying. And it said, if you restart the reading of that thing, he says he prayed thus with himself. He wasn't praying to God. God wasn't receiving that prayer. He was praying thus unto himself. He was praying a prayer that from pride, you know, and by works of the flesh. That was what his prayer was all about. But the publican was over there beating his chest saying, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. He was admitting. He said, I'm a sinner. I'm here in the temple to have you help me. Have mercy on me. And the, Jesus said, which prayer do you think was heard? The one from the publican saying he was a sinner. The other one, show, mocking, you know, trying to appear holy when they're not holy. They make the outside of the cup and the platter look clean, but inside, whew, dirty, filthy. They make the sepulchers outside white and clean where they bury the dead and the prophets and stuff. But inside are what? Dead men's bones. This is what Jesus is talking about. He's telling us there's a righteousness that comes from him, and then there's a self-righteousness that comes from your own knowledge. You start building this self-righteousness about, you know, about what you think you know. The Pharisees prided themselves on what they knew about the word of God. And they would sometimes come up to Jesus and say, well, didn't the law of Moses say? Or didn't this say? They prided themselves on no, having that knowledge. But what did Paul say? It was a knowledge it was a zeal, but not according to the knowledge of God. There's two different knowledges, guys. We either know God after the Spirit and after his word, or we know him after our own flesh, what we put together and what we think. You see how that works? And God said, that's not going to get you anything anywhere. It's very powerful stuff. So, Paul is writing this. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. So since Jesus is that righteous man, he brought it all the way to the end of the law, didn't he? Well, first he did something even before he brought it to the end. Did he fulfill it? He fulfilled the law, and then he brought it to an end. And here's what I'm talking about, the end. Is there a first testament that we know? What do we call that? What's the first what's the first covenant? No, first covenant, not the commandment. First covenant. The first covenant was with the law and Moses and all of that. That was the first covenant. What is the second covenant? What's the covenant now? It is Jesus, but what did he bring? Grace and truth. This is the new covenant. This is the New Testament in my blood. Doesn't he say that? 
I've instituted a new testament now. The old one, I fulfilled it and brought an end to it. That's what he did. Because he is the righteous man. It took someone that could absolutely be righteous. No sin, but yet he took sin upon himself, didn't he? But he kept no sin. No sin. The righteous man. So he could institute this. This is a New Testament in my blood, he says. Because that's what he had to do, come and shed blood, right? So that righteousness could be imparted to everyone that believeth. What was the big deal about Abraham? Walk before me and be thou perfect. But he did it because he believed God. Believed God. So this is the thing that's so important. So for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. If you believe, you don't have to follow a law. Do you believe? Do you believe God? Or is a law necessary for you to keep you from doing things? Of this and that, of do's and don'ts. Do you need that? Or do you need it written in your heart where the Spirit of God guides you? This is the key that, that Jesus is trying to get to us. I will guide you if you allow me to do it. Okay? So Paul, we think about Paul. This man did so many great things. Um, where is it at? First uh, Corinthians 15. I'm going to go to that, I think. Listen to his testimony here. Uh, we know how great he is, how many things he did. It's 1 Corinthians 15, starting at verse 9. For I am the least of the apostles. So he, even with all the stuff that he did, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, went through all the things that he went through, and he says, I'm the least of the apostles. Look at his humility, how he thinks. For I am the least of the apostles that I am not meet to be called an apostle. The things that I did, I shouldn't even be called an apostle, as you would look at it after the flesh, okay? Because I persecuted the church of God. Wow. But by the grace of God, ah, by the grace of God, I am what I am. So he sends a clue to us, doesn't he? The way you're going to get the righteousness is to follow the grace. Allow the grace of God to work in you. Listen to the rest of his testimony. I am what I am, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so ye believe. Whether it's the other apostles or whether it's me, we preached it, now you can believe. Because the grace has come upon all of us. I am a part of that foundation as an apostle. Not meet to be called an apostle, but God has made me that. I am what I am by the grace of God. Sometimes we think, ah, we're not even worthy to be where we're at. But God said, I have made you worthy. I have made you worthy to be where you're at. So where you're at in God, God has made you worthy to be there. Stop and think about that. You are worthy so that he can call you a son. So he can call you a disciple. So he can call you a follower. So he can call you as being those that are obedient. So he can call you to be the, the sons of God, just like his son was in your world. He's calling you to be that. So the righteousness has to come by the grace of God, huh? Haven't we all heard the, the thing, I think it's John 6, 29, where they say, well, what, what do we need to do to work the works you know, of God and all that stuff? He said, this is the work of God that you do what? Believe on him who he has sent. Oh, we want to go out and do so many great things. 
do so many works. He said, just believe on him whom he has sent. But believing means something because you're going to believe with your whole heart, whole mind, soul, strength. You're going to believe. You're going to love God above all things. Then you can be. You see what I mean? Believe on him whom he has sent. Then you can be like him, like the one he sent. You can be like that. That's what God is saying. The righteousness is going to come through the grace of God. Allow God to work in you what he's trying to work. God is trying to work righteousness in you. Doesn't he say, I think it's the fourth chapter of Ephesians, that he's going to bring you as a new man into righteousness and holiness. Doesn't he say that? That's why I think it's 422, but that's what it is. He's trying to work this in you. He's trying to work the righteousness of himself in you. That's pretty cool, huh? So is that part of that submission? You're not going to get it unless you submit. That's what we read in the first part in Romans. You've got to submit. You have to submit to allow God to do that. He gave you the example of Israel that did not submit. He said, yeah, they have a zeal. They have all of that, but they don't know God, and they don't know him because of unbelief. That's the key. This is a powerful thing. Um, I'm going to go to Philippians chapter 3. He gives another testimony here I think is so cool. <laughs> I like verse 2. Philippians chapter 3, beginning at verse 2. First thing he says, beware of dogs. <laughs> first thing, evil workers. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. Those always talking about you got to be circumcised in order to be in this thing. He said, beware of them. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Isn't that cool? So the circumcision is of the, of the heart. It's, it's not no confidence in the flesh, not a sign in the flesh. It's a sign when the inward man. This is what, and then that leads us by the grace into the righteousness that he wants to give us by submitting. We submit to God so that the righteousness can guide us into that. The more we follow the grace, the more righteousness comes to us because we're allowing God to do the work. Dan told us not too long ago, he said, so we do that. We forget what we want to do and the works we're trying to accomplish and all that, that. Can we enter into the rest? Yes, we can. It's not our work. It's going to be the work of God. It's by his grace. Can we believe that? Can we, can we believe that God will do that for us? Help us to enter into the rest. That we don't do the works ourselves. We allow God to perform his work in us. And through that grace, we gain righteousness. Isn't that cool? We become more and more righteous. We become more and more like the one that gave us the righteousness, like Christ, the righteous man. We become more and more like him. That's what he wants us to do. Listen to this other part here. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. If there's anybody that thinks they ought to trust in the flesh, through my experiences, I would be the one. But he's going to give them further testimony. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. So I'm a member of Israel. Of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. And Hebrew of the Hebrews. I'm a man bunch of Hebrews, but I'm considered some of the top. Okay, Hebrew over Hebrews. As touching the law, a Pharisee. I am a Pharisee. That's what he was saying. That's what I was. 
a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, there's that word again. Concerning zeal, what? Persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is of the law, blameless. He said, according to the law, I was blameless. Not too many people could say that. But Paul said, yes, I was. I tried to do everything I could that the law said to do. But once he was converted to Jesus, what did he do? What would you have me to do? I'm going to do everything I can according to the will of Jesus now. Now my heart's been changed. Now I'm following the righteousness which is of faith. You see how this works? The same way he worked so hard in that, he worked even harder by grace in the things of God. And the righteousness came unto him. That's what happens to all of us. Righteousness will come unto us if we believe God. If we allow the grace to work. If we have faith that God is going to do it for us. We're so busy sometimes running from the things that happen to us. <laughs> or trying to hide or trying to go another way that we never stop to think about God is right there to help us overcome it. He's right there by his grace to help us to overcome, and then we can become stronger through that thing that came against us. All of us have something coming against us, don't we? Things that, I mean, it just doesn't feel good, the things that come against us. Well, let me tell you something that will make you feel good. You hang in with Jesus, you love him, you allow him to help you to overcome, you allow the grace of God to work, you will see yourself conquering those things. Doesn't it say we are more than conquerors through him that loved us? Eighth chapter of, of Romans. We are more than conquerors. What, by ourselves or through Jesus? We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. More than conquerors. The way he defeated everything and died and rose again, we're going to do the same. The same power is inherent in us if we become believers. This is what God says. So can we pray in confidence? Can we pray? Can we believe in confidence? Can we study the word in confidence? Can we listen to the word from on high and glean what God has for us? This is the thing that's important. So that's what we're doing today. Submission unto righteousness. You submit unto the righteousness of God. You submit unto the grace and righteousness will build. Allow God to perform those works in you that he wants to perform. This is a powerful thing. But what things were gained to me, this is Paul still speaking, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him not having mine own righteousness, like the Pharisees did, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. That's the big thing, huh? Everybody thinks the resurrection of the dead is some big place in the future or something, a general uprising, rising from the dead. What if I told you that Christ is the resurrector now? that he can resurrect the righteous thought of God in you, raise it up, and you can go through many resurrections and come to a full truth and a full knowledge of God. Doesn't that make sense? He came to give us that resurrection. That's the thing. So we have to continue in that. We have to continue in this resurrection. Great stuff, great stuff. So not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, he said, I'm still on my journey toward perfection. Still on my journey. 
We're still on the journey for it. You know what happens? Aren't we perfected as we go along the way? Are we perfected as we go through this journey? Do we, or do we get it all at once? No, it's a progression, isn't it? It's a progression of what God is trying to do in us. Um, I'm going to read a scripture to you, and, and people don't uh, believe God does this, but he does. Listen to this. I know some of you are kind of kind of tired about things that happen to you and you're waiting on answers and whatever. Listen to this. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. So who set you on the rock? Who established your goings? Wasn't it God? And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust. So God wants you to do what? Trust him. He wants you to trust him. And respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord, now this is the part I want to get to. Many, O Lord, my God, are thy wonderful works, which thou hast done. Wait a minute. No, we do the works. No, we've done it all. No, we're the ones that did so much. We're the ones that studied so much. We established churches. We did. No, it's us, huh? No. No. And thy thoughts, which are, he said, wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward, they cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee, if I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Now listen to this. More than can be numbered. The thoughts. He said, thy thoughts which are to usward. Do you know that God has given you thoughts all the time, more than you can number? Constantly trying to give you his thought. So why aren't we getting it? What's going on with us? Are we listening? Are we believing? Are we trusting God? Are we loving God? That's the key. Once you start doing that, start becoming obedient, you will hear these things that God's trying to say to you. I, I haven't heard God talk to me. Yeah, he has. He's talking to you right now. He's doing things for you right now. If you can get the understanding of it, it'll work out good. Great understanding. So there are more I would declare and speak of them. They are more than can be numbered. So has God proven to me that there are more thoughts that can be numbered? There is so much I don't know. So much I need to know. So many things that are still going on. And God is still bringing what? He's bringing his thoughts to me. His thoughts, his thoughts, his thoughts. He's bringing his thoughts to me this morning. I hope he's bringing thoughts to you online. God is bringing his thought. Anybody have any questions for me about anything I said this morning? Submission to righteousness. Submission to it. Isn't that a cool thing? You submit to the righteousness of God by grace. See, what they left out when you read in the 10th chapter of Romans, my prayer for Israel that they might be saved. Well, what have they left out? Grace. They left it out. They said, we can form our own righteousness. We know how to figure this out. We know how to interpret this. Left the grace out of it. Left God working out of it. So they established their own righteousness. God said, I can't accept that. What is the righteousness he wants? From the righteous man that's within you. That's been established, and God's going to bring that forth. But we've got to love God. 
Got to love God. Got to believe God. Got to trust God. That's what we have to do. Those are things that we have to do. And then God will use his power to bring forth what we need at the time that we need it. That's going to be a cool thing. Uh, the reason I say that because I've experienced it. He's brought things forward when I needed it at the time. He's opened doors for to be able to speak to people at the time that the doors needed to be opened. He brought something around to my thought to where I realized that maybe I hadn't been thinking about that thing the right way. And God said, let me show you something here and change the thought. People say, God can't change your thoughts. <laughs> yes, he can. I'm a living witness again. God can change your thought. Well, I believe this all my life. Doesn't make any difference. God can change it if it's wrong and bring you to an understanding of that which is right. That's a cool thing. Anybody have any questions for me? Anything about what I said today? I'm done, really.